Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you and to have you with us for worship today at WPC. Today we continue our summer sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. Last week we explored what it means to call God our Father in heaven, that we are members of God's household, that God's power and love is extended to the whole earth. Today we continue with the very next line in the prayer, hallowed be your name. To explore what it means to pray for God's name to be hallowed, we'll turn to the first time God's name is revealed, to Moses as he meets God at the burning bush. I invite you now to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the third chapter of Exodus, beginning with the first verse. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our line from the prayer this morning, hallowed be your name, elicits an age-old question. What's in a name? 
This commonly used quote was originally penned by William Shakespeare in his work that made ninth grade Jim cringe, Romeo and Juliet. I imagine it still makes ninth graders cringe. Juliet says these words just after her best-known line, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? As a way of expressing her angst that because of Romeo's surname, Montague, they are not allowed to be together. What's in a name, she continues. That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. This seems to suggest that one's name shouldn't matter all that much, that one's name is not their destiny. Ironically, however, Juliet's famous words have been used ever since to express the significance of one's name. Expectant parents now have access to a baby naming industry complete with books, apps, even professional baby naming consultants. What this reminds me is that as humans, names matter. We seek to know each other's name, that we may know them. This is the first step in understanding who someone is. What's unique and wonderful about that person, about that individual, names matter. As humans, we name what we love. Which is why in our lesson, Moses is so intent in this awestruck moment to know and learn the name of God. God reveals God's self to Moses through a bush that is burning. It's on fire, it's blazing, but it's not being consumed. It defies all reality. I imagine this would get just about anyone's attention, and Moses needs to see this. But a voice stops him, calling him by name telling him to go no further but to remove the sandals from his feet because now he is standing on holy, or rather, hallowed ground. Then God reveals God's self as the God of Moses' ancestors, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This revelation leaves Moses hiding his face from the Almighty God. God continues by sharing with Moses the plan to deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt, and lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses learns that God wants him to bring Israel from Egypt to a promised land, that God promises to be with them through it all, and that they will worship God as a sign of this promise. What's interesting here is that to this culture as well as to Jesus' time, One's name was synonymous with one's honor and reputation. Catholic scholar John Dominic Croson claims that God is first revealed to Moses as a God of past, present, and future. The God of Moses' ancestors, the past, has heard the cries of Israel's suffering, present, and will deliver them to a promised land and be with them through it all, future. God's self-revelation is a God of past, present, and future who cares for and delivers those who are oppressed and are suffering. A powerful image, a powerful revelation of who God is, but God help him, Moses still wants more. He wants a personal name for God. He wants a name to call God, to which God responds with the enigmatic, I am. 
I am who I am. Or it, it could also be, I will be who I will be. In Hebrew, this personal name of God is just four little characters corresponding to our letters YHWH, from which the church has developed uh, the terms we've heard and know as Yahweh or Jehovah over the years. But as you'll soon realize, these iterations miss the point of the personal name of God completely. This is because in Hebrew, it's actually impossible to pronounce this combination of letters. Literally, the name of God is unspeakable. In Judaism, you mustn't say the personal name of God. In fact, in our Bibles, if you turn to, uh, to either of our readings today, when you see this personal name of God used, it is translated simply as LORD, but LORD in all caps. So we have two drastically different answers to the question, what is God's name? Or Moses, who are you? On the one hand, we know God as the God of past, present, and future, the God who hears our cries and delivers us from harm. On the other hand, we are, what's revealed is a God who cannot be named. This God cannot be fully known or understood. It's a similar revelation of God that Jesus presents in the preface of the prayer, Our Father in Heaven. A God we can turn to like a child to a parent, but a God whose ways and power are simply beyond our understanding. So to return to our line from the Lord's Prayer today, what does it mean to hollow this name of God? To hollow, of course, simply means to make holy, to sanctify, to set apart. Praying for God's name to be hallowed is a conscious reminder every time we say the Lord's Prayer to seek to make God's name holy in our own lives and our community. So how can we do this? One way we do this is by leading lives of praise and gratitude in response to God's loving presence in our own lives. The Westminster Catechism, one of our Presbyterian confessions, states that our chief end as human beings is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Simply living a life of gratitude and generosity hollows God's name, and it bears witness to God's love and power in the world. I think this is what our psalmist this morning speaks to, calling everything that has breath to praise the Lord. Let's take this one step further. To hollow God's name, to make holy God's name means being holy ourselves. One of the best-known parts of the Hebrew Bible is the holiness code from Leviticus 19. In here we see a whole list of rules for life, but this code begins with these words, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord God, am holy. In other words, we hollow God's name when we seek to live into and participate in God's mission ourselves. So what does this mean? Looking back to our lesson, God first reveals God's self to Moses as a God who has heard the cries of the people and will deliver them. To be holy ourselves in this light means taking on God's mission of hearing the cries of the oppressed in our midst, welcoming the stranger, and working towards God's justice in the world. 
In this way, we only uh, we hollow God's name when we hollow one another. We can only hollow God when we hollow one another as children of God, when we see each other as beloved children of God. But friends, as a community of faith here, we also hollow God's name when we share in the sacraments. When we invite infants and adults to the font to be baptized, we are inviting people to experience uh, being cleansed and claimed by God. It's no coincidence that in baptism we call the newly baptized by their Christian name. We name them. Because this represents how we are all called by name as God's beloved child in these waters here. When we gather at the Lord's table, we claim that each time we share in the feast he has prepared, we grow more and more into the likeness and image of Christ. We grow into Christ's holiness that we can better live hallowed lives. So friends, what's in a name? It turns out a lot. Though we will never fully grasp the name of the Almighty, may we seek to hallow God's name in our own lives and as a community, that all may know God's love for us in Christ, that all may know that God is hallowed. To God be the glory now and forever. Amen.